Welcome back for a new episode of the Activation Hour podcast. This week, we're tackling the topic of unlearning the way we work. I can't wait to dig into this topic with my guest today, Deborah Hightower, leadership expert and executive coach, as well as a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Whenever I sit down with Deborah, I tell you, I have my notebook ready because she's always dropping valuable information on leadership, finance, building teams, and getting the maximum potential. She represents a multifaceted combination of success, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss everything she's going to share today. She ranges in different areas of topics from the financial arena in corporate America to writing and speaking, and her approach is designed to prompt a rethink of thinking, which is perfect because that's what today's episode is about, unlearning, rethinking, challenging how we're going to do the work. In the midst of the pandemic and the volatile race relations in our country, we know that companies cannot afford to do business as usual. Leaders are reevaluating how they work and engage with teams to make them feel physically, mentally, and emotionally safe. Hopefully, after hearing this episode, you'll hear some valuable tips, not just as a leadership perspective, but for employees to understand how to manage up, speak up, and then help others unlearn how we did it before and the new way that we can work together. Check out this week's episode with Deborah Hightower. From sales and marketing executive to now international speaker and social entrepreneur, tune in to the Activation Hour podcast as we share with friends and influencers the activation required to make an impact in sales, marketing, and the marketplace. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, the Activation Specialist, CEO, Corporate Trainer, and Nonprofit Founder. We're getting real about personal and professional moments that push us to our purpose at work and in the world. Now, let's get activated. Hello, family, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Activation Hour podcast. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, and as usual, we're going right in to talk about purpose at work and in the world. And this week, I can't think of anyone better that I want to have this conversation with. We're going to have another lesson in unlearning the way we work. I want to welcome to the Activation Hour, Forbes coach, the dynamo herself, Deborah Hightower. Deborah, welcome to the Activation Hour. Hello, Melissa, and thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited about our subject today. You know, you have been such a light and a presence and just this phenomenal woman that I met a few years ago. Now, I can't believe it's been five or six years since we originally connected, but every encounter, although few and far between, it leaves me with valuable gems of information. And so you have truly positioned yourself, um, as you say, you know, poised and in hot pursuit, and you help us all be that way. So thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. Yeah. So let guys, before we jump right into our topic today, let me tell you more about my special guest, Deborah Hightower. 
Deborah represents a multifaceted combination of success, ranging from the financial arena in corporate America to writing and speaking. Her approach is designed to prompt a rethink of thinking. Deborah holds degrees in business administration, communication and management, and numerous professional designations in the financial planning area. Her first book, The Secret to Winning Big, Top Strategies for Winning Big in Life and Business, is a bestseller. Her current book, Fly Beautiful Fly, a guided journal is now available. Her next book, Poised, Prepared, and in Hot Pursuit, is in development and expected next year. Deborah has been acknowledged by America's premier experts as leading expert in her field. Her work can be seen in a variety of lifestyle blogs and magazines. She's been listed by Inc. Magazine as one of America's trendsetters in health, wealth, and success, and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Morningstar, CNBC, NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, and other news outlets. She's a member of the invitation only Forbes Coaches Council and was recently spotlighted by Forbes. Check out our show notes to learn more about her featured articles and contributions to the Forbes Coaches Council. Her articles have definitely been a guide to us at work and in the world. Thank you, Deborah, and welcome again to the Activation Hour. So how have you been since I last spoke with you? The world looks a little different now than it did some months ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think we adapt. We as humans adapt to the situations that are in front of us and the mm -hmm. challenges. We rise to the challenge. And I certainly think that that has been not only a personal uh, pursuit and rise. I think it has certainly been a professional challenge and rise to the occasion as well. You're so right. It's a personal and professional challenge we're rising to, but the, it's not without obstacle. Um, you know, we can't discount 2020 just yet. This is just the halfway mark. <laughs> You're you know, like some people are ready to just speed through it and get it over with. And I'm like, not yet. There's still some good. There's a lot of good left in this. And so I thought it very important to have you particularly to speak on the topic of unlearning the way we work simply because of some pieces you recently wrote that really resonated with me about leadership, about management, management styles, and how we engage with one another. And that is a bit scary in this climate today. Do you agree? What are your thoughts on how we need to you know, shift our thinking, because like you said, rethink our thinking. How do we do that right now? Right. And I think it is um, a challenge more for some than others. Um, I have always um, had the, the pleasure, really, of having a diverse group of clients in the financial world and beyond in my coaching world. And it has made me a better person. It has made me a more open, more educated, more uh, more everything. And I think we are um, to that point now, and it has sort of been forced upon us with everything that is going on. Um, it can no longer be ignored. We can't just sweep it under the rug and hope it goes away. 
Um, and I have the experience of being a female in a male-dominated industry. Um, I started in the financial and investment planning world 30 years ago, and less than 5% of financial executives were women. So um, it, it just is a reminder of how we have to have others that bring us along and others that are willing to step out and be our ally um, as we are trying to figure out our own path. And I think that is so important. I have always been an ally for people because it is the human component that connects us all. But, you know, we, we are all different, and that's a great thing because when we focus on what we all, um, our likeness as opposed to our differences, we will soon see that our likenesses are so much more common than our differences. But because of stereotypes and things that we have learned along the way, we, are, we sometimes get that confused. So I have had the pleasure of being with my clients and advising my diverse group of clients, um, ranging from young and old and gay and straight and bi and cis and everything that goes along with all of those things, um, different le levels of education and their background and their experiences. Because sometimes I think we get sort of caught up in diversity means the color of our skin. It does not mean the color of our skin. It means all these things that make us diverse, education, background, um, where we where we grew up, our geographics, our socioeconomics, all of those things make us who we are. So I think that leaders in particular need to acknowledge all of those things and find the strength of that person that is on your team and help them just grow and expand their experience, their education, and their contribution to the team. And I think corporate America has to recognize and has to expand because until um, we do that, you know, it begins with a values-based leader and then it expands into that corporate world. And when we do that, we're just going to be so much better for it. You know, this is such alignment, Deborah. The um, wise counsel you're giving us now, um, I find it interesting. I sit down with a vast amount of coaches just through this being in that community in that world of executive coaching and speakers and leaders and that's a recurring theme and i hope people are listening and not missing it of becoming an ally um, of your people and what you're describing is what i now like to coin adaptive leadership we talk about adaptive learning where you are creating a learning path individualized of what we call differentiation in my world of learning and development, but it's no different. And I think in the past, we tried to blanket it by saying, oh, I treat everyone the same, but maybe you don't need to treat everyone the That's same right. as a leader. So what's one thing that you've had to unlearn yourself during this pandemic and also this climate of racial injustice, how, how have you had to maybe unlearn and apply some new techniques yourself? 
Um, I think this applies to me and everybody else. Um, we don't know everything that we think we know. And when we look at um, our, our biases, that is such an important part of this. Until we look at them, we acknowledge them, and we explore them, you know, our, I think we're going to be limited in bringing us together as um, a corporate culture, a personal culture, our, our environment. There's a lot of things that we all need to rethink. Hmm. That's good. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that we're sheltering in place. And at home, that gives us a lot of space and time to think. It feels right. almost strategic <laughs> in a way, right? Um, yeah. So what are areas of unlearning that are developing in the workplace? Maybe some trends that you see as um, in corporate American business around the world are preparing to re-enter their brick and mortar places of work. What are you seeing them unlearn and adapt to? Um, I think digitally, we have come so far. When I entered the financial planning arena 30 years ago, my goodness, I am truly dating myself. Um, everything was on paper. If, you know, I remember research reports and I mean, everything was on paper. So my, I was so far down the totem pole when I first got in the industry, I was barely in the door, um, truly. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I think about starting there and working up the, the corporate ladder, if you will, was such a learning experience. And so, you know, I think we continue to evolve because it had our situation that we're in right now with COVID-19 and digital learning and digital meeting and what we're doing right now, ha had that happened even 10 years ago, I'm not sure it would have been as fluid as it is right now. So a lot of the learning and unlearning um, is digitally related. And, you know, I also think that we have to address our biases now more than we ever have, our cognitive biases. Um, everybody has them, um, either deliberately or not, because we are who we are. And, you know, that is a result of what we've been taught, our environment, who we've been around, who we read, who we listen to. And all of those things come into play. And as leadership moves forward in our current environment, I think we have to be more inclusive. It's not diversity, per se. It is inclusiveness. Uh, you and I are on, uh, are on a team, and we have an equal part on that team because my strengths may not be yours and vice versa. So until we get past all the stereotypes and all the categorization and all the compartmentalization that we do as people and as corporate entities, I think our success, um, you know, will be limited. I think we can just do so much more by doing so much more in that area. You make an interesting point, Deborah, about um, it's not just about the diversity, but about inclusion. Can you help mm -hmm. our audience better define it? Because we throw those words around a lot and yes, they're, they're used out of context. 
So can you shed some light and clarity on not may maybe the difference, but how diversity and inclusion work together? They, they really do work together. And just because we have a diverse team, a diverse in terms of background and education and experience, we also have to include those people at the table and in the discussions. Um, my latest Forbes article is um, the music of exceptional leadership. And that is one of the things that I talk about in there. You know, just having a seat at the table is not enough. We have to each play our own role and accept our role. And the leader has to acknowledge our role and, and organize it and direct it like a symphony. Because in a symphony, there are, you know, a lot of instruments. Not everyone is playing the same instrument. But when you put it together, it is a beautiful work of music. And it really is the same way with team works. It really is. When you are on a team, you accept your role and be confident in that your position is going to be heard and appreciated. Sometimes we work ourselves to the table. I, I am an example of that. Your few women were financial executives. I had a seat at the table. I started at the bottom and worked to that seat at the table. But if no one else at the table is willing to listen to what you have to say, it doesn't matter that you have a seat at the table. And sometimes the loudest voice at the table is not the one that needs to be heard, but it's the one that usually is because you're the loudest, you make the most noise, the squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of thing. But until we all say, okay, you have a seat at the table, let me see what I can learn from you. Because I can vehemently disagree with you, but there are things that I can learn from you and there are things that you can learn from me. So until we get to that point, um, the field, in my opinion, will never be a level playing field. And I think that, that the people who are at the table, who have the loud voice, need to help everyone else be able to vocalize um, what their thoughts are as well. You know, if, if I could um, so summarize what you said in one statement, it would be for the ones with the loud voice to now advocate with for those who are voiceless. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I tell you, I would not be in my position in corporate America, nor would I have climbed the corporate ladder um, from being at the bottom of the totem pole to um, getting my education and learning the investment and financial planning world in corporate America. Um, had a man not said to me, hey, I think you would be good at this. You know, would you consider letting me be your mentor. And until we step across those kind of lines in the sand, then we're not gonna be able to be all that we can be. And, and I would, I didn't know that was an opportunity for me until he said, hey, I think you would be good at this because I was at the bottom of the totem pole, you know, doing all the crazy stuff that nobody else wanted to do. But I knew that I liked the industry 
And I knew that I was smart enough to learn it. But there were so few women there, I didn't have a role model. So when he said, I think you'll be good at this, and sparked my, uh, my thought process for me to rethink my thinking on where I thought I could be as a woman. And I think that we as women have to do that for other people. That's what it's all about. When you're an ally for someone, you bring them along with you. You know, I'm I'm so um, thrilled to hear you say that and what you just described in our activation hour or what we call our activation nation community, Deborah, we actually call that um, mentorship, sponsorship and advocacy, which means that person reached across the aisle to someone not like them and said, hey, beyond mentorship, I may sponsor you to enter in rooms you normally wouldn't be in, or even as an advocate, speak your name in places where you're not seated yet so that we can usher you in. And that's really the shift between manager and coaching. Do you agree? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know, just because he said to me, um, I think you would be good at this, I had to rise to the occasion. So it is really, it comes down to what that person has on the inside of them. You have to have the desire, you have to have the ingenuity, you have to have the wherewithal to make it through. Because starting at the bottom of the totem pole and being an investment um, and financial manager of other people's assets, it did not happen overnight. And there were a lot of hurdles to get from point A to point B. And I think we can't expect other people to drag us along. We have to be willing to stand up and, and walk forward and say, I can do this and I will do it. You will direct me and help me know what I need to know. And, but it really lies with the individual. And, you know, we lead ourselves prior to leading anyone else. If we don't have ourselves under control, then how in the world can we expect anyone else to, to follow our advice or to follow or even want our advocacy? Wow. Lead self before mm -hmm. anyone else. That's phenomenal. Such a powerful statement. So I want to shift for a second. Um, as coaches, particularly in the executive space, we understand there's a lot of talk of training, at least from what I've noticed, very little about coaching. And there is a difference between the two. What do you believe is the breakdown between training and the desired results, especially because there's so much that we're learning and unlearning? Right. And, you know, if we if we look at how much money corporations spend on training, it's in the United States, like the total is like one hundred and sixty nine billion dollars. So I know you like I and everybody else has been to training because it was required by our company. And the whole thing that we were thinking about the entire time we were training is that when is this going to be over? I am not learning anything. So I think that when we we start that shift into um, a more coaching role for leaders, 
um, because I'm different from you. I learn different from you. I mean, it's not a standardized thing. Look at our education system. You know, it's a standardized test that says yes or no, you're smart. Well, that is not the way the world works because I have my own smartness. You have your own smartness. I have my own strengths and weaknesses, and so do you. So it's not a standardized thing. And I think as soon as companies realize that and people realize that uh, it's not a standard thing, um, we'll be better for it in the long run. So when we do our training, it, it really needs to speak to that person because that's how we're going to coach them to be better in their role, in their life, in business. I mean, the whole nine yards. You know, one thing, Deborah, that I always appreciate, whether I'm sitting in conversation with you or reading your articles, you're very good at putting a title or naming something so that we can identify what's occurring. And so you use a terminology that I'd like to, for you to explain called active role acceptance. Can you tell our audience what that means and share it in context? <laughs> yes, yes. So active role acceptance means that you show up in your role, you accept that role, and then you um, perform in your role that is for the benefit of the team. And that can be personal or that can be professional. And the, the key to that is having a, re, a leader who realizes that not everybody is going to have the same role, but then being able to, going back to our symphony, uh, because I'm a musician, you know, my other hat, um, it's, it's going back to the fact that a team is made up of a lot of different people and a lot of different instruments. And that's what creates the beautiful sound. Or, you know, in professional terms, it's what produces the desired outcome. And it's all about maximizing what that individual um, has to offer to the group, to the team, to the desired outcome and preserving and acknowledging and uplifting that because leadership is no longer what it was 20, 25 years ago when a leader really told you what to do and you said, okay, I'll do it. It's no longer that because our world has changed. Our professional world has changed. Our business has changed and we have to be able to um, accept that and be who you are and bring who you are and your experiences and your strengths and all of that to the equation. Be who you are, bring who you are and your experiences and strengths. That's really good. Deborah. this is so needed right now. I, I believe that um, the, the jewels of information you're giving um, for our listeners is opening their mind to a new way of doing things. And so I want to elaborate. I'm going to go even further into explaining um, what executive coaching is, share more about your role as an executive coach and how we serve people at that level. So we're going to pause for one moment for a quick break and we'll come back as we sit 
and unlearn more with Deborah Hightower. You're tuned in to the Activation Hour with Melissa D. White. We'll be back in just a moment. So just before that brief break, you shared with us about um, what active role acceptance is and not only how important that is for the employee to not just be assigned, but accept the role, but understanding the impact that has on other people. So my follow-up to that is, what are the business implications of companies if they don't shift the way they lead their people in this particular season? Well, I think the best success will not be found until we do do that. Until leaders accept it, they accept their role, they accept their team members' role, um, I, I think that success will not be the best that it can be. And everyone wants the best success. I want the best success. You know, I'm not okay with just being okay. I want to be the best that I can be. And I think our our employees and um, our mentees need to feel that they too can be the best that they can be. And everyone needs encouragement. I need encouragement. I have a coach. I mean, that's all. We swim upstream. We try to elevate ourselves to the next level. And some of the things that are required to do that um, can't be the things that we used to do. Because if we want to do better, we have to do different in a lot of instances. If you want to be better, you do have to do different. We can't do the same thing. We know what that's called when you do the same thing over and over again. Expect a different result, exactly. <laughs> we, we, just, we know what that is. <laughs> so tell us more um, about executive coaching. You know, this is, I love watching how our coaching industry has had an evolution, particularly during this time of the pandemic, where as companies, many of them are downsizing and outsourcing some of their mid-level management and even training roles to coaches who are poised and in position to jump in <laughs> and to um, supplement, if you will, many of the attributes of what you discussed. So tell us more about what executive coaching is and the benefits of organizations utilizing a coach to help not only their leadership, but their all of their people achieve desired results. Well, I think um, an executive coach has a lot of benefits. Um, and just to name a few, um, one, a professional coach sees things that you can't see because that goes back to our biases, our own perception and our own way of thinking, because sometimes you don't see what you don't know to look for. Um, and an executive coach or a professional coach, and that can be life and business for that matter, because I do believe the two go in tandem. It is so hard to compartmentalize all the facets of our life and not have them overlap. Um, it's exhausting. You can't be one way at work, one way at home, one way at PTA meeting, one way at church, one way with your neighbor. It, it's just exhausting to do all of that. So a professional coach helps you um, meld all of those things together and decompartmentalize so that you're being who you really are and you accept who you really are and helps build you up to bring to the world who you really are. 
So a professional coach helps you see the things that you might not see. Um, a professional coach will also be upfront and tell you when the answer should be, nah, that, that's not a good move. Um, and you have to have confidence in that person that they're going to guide you right. Because if you're around yes people all the time, they're not going to tell you what you don't want to hear. They're going to hear, they're going to tell you what you want to hear and they don't want to hurt your feelings and they want to be nice and all of those things. But a real coach will say, mm, let's think about that for a minute and let's explore what that really means and how might we approach it from a different standpoint. A professional coach is your accountability partner. And Lord knows we all need, you know, an accountability partner because some days we just don't want to do what we don't want to do. But we know we need to to get ourselves to the next level and keep ourselves motivated. Um, and a professional coach is also a no judgment zone. Uh, my clients have said to me, you know, Deborah, you know where the bodies are buried. You know, we just have to <laughs> we just have to. <laughs> Keep our secrets. And that's what a professional does. It's almost like a therapist, you know, a therapist in a sense, because it's a no judgment zone. You can say to me what you don't need to say to other people or say out loud, even in the confines of your group of people. Sometimes those things don't need to be said. Uh, but with a coach, you can say those things because it's a no judgment zone. Um, and, and that propels people to a higher level. The confidential conversations, you know, and everything is kept in that privileged status. And if you say stuff that nobody needs to know about, that's okay because it is a confidential um, session. So I have found that, you know, people have fears and um, maybe backstories that they really don't want anybody else to know about and that's okay because when you have that professional relationship with somebody um, they can really say okay well let's unpack that let's see what that um, is and how it has influenced the way that you are making your decisions and if something needs to be changed or rethought in that process then it's the it's the really good time to do that you know, you, you put that so well, and I think it's a perfect checklist, if you will. I hear so many times of people who um, think they know what coaching is and they don't particularly understand fully because they've never worked with a coach or they've worked with a coach in some capacity. And for one reason or another, it wasn't the ideal experience. And they say, well, what, what am I supposed to look for? How, like, what's a checklist? And I think that is the perfect checklist um, to have someone who um, can see what you don't see, be, you know, hold you accountable, but that means there has to be an agreement of accountability, okay? <laughs> you have to be willing and coachable <laughs> to have that. And then the judgment-free zone. And like you said, although we're not therapists, we are uh, the secret keepers. You can fumble with coaches as you're moving the ball down the field for whatever your goals are in a way that you know can polish you up so when you go out into the world it's like hey i've had my practice i've had my reps with my coach and so i love how you put that <laughs> so i want to um just glue all of this together when we talk about 
um, unlearning uh, the way that we work. Do you believe, and uh, I have my own theories to this question, I love to hear other people's perspectives, but people always talk about, well, when the world opens up or when we get back to normal, um, do you believe that there'll be some sense of normalcy like before COVID? I mean, that's the whole new, new term of BC, before COVID, but really, do you do you think there'll be some sense of normalcy or will we have to now redefine that? I, I think normalcy is a constant redefinition of what normal is. Um, but I do think things are going to change. You know, there were a lot of companies. This is a, a prime example of that. I was reading in the New York Times that that 10 years ago, a lot of um, digital kind of companies um and others moved their employees home to try this whole work from home thing. And it didn't really work, but that was 10 years ago. You know, think of the limitations in our technology even 10 years ago. So if we fast forward that to now, um, I know that I've been working from home three months now and you know it is a completely different phenomenon than it would have been 10 years ago so i do think that some changes will be made going forward um, and technology is one of the things in my opinion that that lead us toward that because you and i we're looking at each other right now before and that makes such a difference in our interaction i can see your facial expressions um, and you can see mine and 10 years ago, that was not quite as easy. So, you know, you lose a lot of that interaction when you can't see the other person that you're talking to. Um, so I think all of those things are going to um, help us move forward and they're going to require that we move forward. And I will say I have a, a clients that are on both ends of the employment spectrum, young people and older people who are at the end of their career. And I would say that regardless of where you are on the young or the old spectrum, um, you really need to embrace what technology can do for you because it is, it is the way of the future. And I think sometimes older employees, and I don't mean older by necessarily age, but in the business, veterans in the business, um, you know, just think, well, this is the way we've always done it. And this is the way that I'm going to continue to do it forever. I think that's the wrong attitude. And I think that, you know, your place at the table gets a little wobbly if you're not able to embrace the, the entire thing. Now, do you have knowledge and wisdom that the younger generation needs? Absolutely. So we have to find that multi-generational workforce um, and bring them together so that the company is the benefit uh, of that power, because that is powerful. When you have the young and you have the experienced, you have the new, and you have all of this diversity that is that is is really making up our workforce. Um, corporations that realize that and have recognized it and have helped people even be more than they thought they could be, because I'm one of those people. Um, it's a really good um, step to success. And the companies that do that and the leaders that embrace that are really going to be stars. They really are. 
I love that you brought up multi-generational workforce. You know, um, quite candidly, I'm at that, that I'm a first year millennial or as I coined myself, a mature millennial, if, <laughs> if I had to rate that spectrum, because I have like Gen X tendencies, but millennial views of life. And so um, it's very interesting, the shift that even now I'm feeling as a corporate leader, having a multi-generational workforce, but now leading, mentoring, and managing Gen Z. That's right. <laughs> that absolutely is right. And I am a young baby boomer. So when you look at the baby boomers and where we came from, we have come from an, uh, a world of, you know, this is your job. You, you do just this. Don't ask questions about anything else. Nobody wants your opinion. So you do what you have been assigned to do to suddenly being, hey, this is the new world and this is a cool place to be. So in order that we make the transition into our next gen of workers and um, leaders and contributors to society, all of us need to have an open mind and young people, you know, I would like to think of myself as very hip, but young people um, don't always want to hear from um, older people who, you know, they just say, oh, good grief. What could they possibly know that I need to know? So I think we have to make adjustments as we go and we have to be open to hearing what they have to say and they have to be open to hearing what we have to say. And all along that continuum when we all learn to work together and use each other's strengths and learn from one another. You know, I call my grandson if my phone is like hung up and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the young people know about technology and I don't know what to do. So let me call him and say, hey, can you fix my phone? So you know, <laughs> I love it. That's that's a perfect <laughs> example of all gifts at work, right? It's like you can have all the tech savvy you want, but without a little wisdom and understanding, how that's you gonna? Right. You don't know what to do with it, so you need both. That's right. That's right. So I love that. You know, um, it has truly been such a journey of unlearning this season, and I'm so thankful that you took time to share space with me today and um, because this was a big part of my unlearning journey as i shared in previous episodes this season is i tackled the topic of unlearning because traditionally i'm a corporate trainer and i teach a whole bunch of things and then i all of a sudden everything i thought i knew started to unravel and i was like wait let me sit with this and so um, this is a season where I'm calling on the people who have been radical truth tellers, whether it's last week we talked about self-awareness, whether it's what coaching really looks like and redefining that path, um, what work really looks like for me being an entrepreneur. So there's a little bit of selfish intent here that I'm learning and taking a whole bunch of notes myself too. <laughs> so am so I. <laughs> Thank you so much, Deborah Hightower. Please tell our audience how they can learn more about your contribution to Forbes and to all the various outlets where you serve, give advice, and help people navigate in business. Where can they find you? 
The easiest place is to go straight to my website, which is DeborahHightower.com, and that's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-H-I-G-H-T-O-W-E-R. It's like really long, um, dot com. And the social uh, media connections are there, and the Forbes articles are there, and my blog is there, So, and my speaking and, and all of those things can be found in that one place. And that's usually the easiest place to connect. Phenomenal. Well, listen, Activation Nation, you've been tuned in to this episode of Unlearning the Way We Work as I sat down with coach, author, speaker, and just an extraordinary woman, Deborah Hightower. To learn more, check out my show notes. Also, you can check the comments on our YouTube live conversation today. If you'd like to see and meet us behind the scenes to get more in depth on our podcast today. I'll also have a direct link to articles that I referenced even during our interview. So you can learn more of the symphony that she referenced as you're putting together the perfect sound and orchestra of leadership for your team. You can also uh, share this episode. If this resonates with you as a leader to help you unlearn or as Deborah says, rethink how you think, share it, sit with it. And most of all, subscribe. I really appreciate your reviews. Lastly, mark your calendars. Don't forget about the shifting from manager to coach, a manager's guide for coaching results. As I told you, 16 years as a trainer has taught me, training gives you information, but coaching gets your results. Set your calendar for August the 1st so that you too can make the shift. And finally, check out the link in my bio as well to join me for Activation Coaching International, where we certify managers to be leaders in coaching. You've been tuned in to the Activation Hour. I'm your host, Melissa D. Come back because there's more unlearning to do. Thank you, Deborah, so much. And I look forward to connecting again with you really soon. Yes, thank you so much, Melissa. And you're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you you so much. All right, family. See you on the next episode. Bye. Are you a manager, trainer, or executive that wants to see maximum results for your team? Well, let me help you with that. Training is for information, but coaching is for results. Learn more about Activation Coaching International and our coaching certification program for business leaders who want to see the best results and even help your team activate their purpose at work and in the world. 65% of people say that working with a coach helped them improve performance at work, and 80% said that coaching helped them improve their self-confidence. What better way to invest in your team than by being a coach through Activation Coaching International? Learn more at bit.ly slash ready to coach. See our show notes for details. If you love this episode, please make sure to subscribe, turn on your notifications and share with a friend. Also, if you really want to get behind the scenes, go now to our YouTube channel at The Activation Hour. The link is found in the show notes for you to actually see my guest live and in person and to even catch more details of our conversation behind the scenes. Stay connected and join us next time for The Activation Hour, Purpose at Work and in the World.